So welcome to another episode of the Swamp Inside Florida Athletics. I'm your co-host, Anthony Beck, along with my other co-host. The man that's on the logo once again and batting second in place of our man, Jerry. Marcus in the building. Uh, we don't know if he'll still be on the logo, but, you know. Um, what? I'm totally joking, Marcus. I'm totally joking. Mm-hmm. That's what you always say when you ain't really joking. I know you're game by now. <laughs> Don't worry. You have nothing to worry about. We got a yes. special guest joining us again. Um, and if it wasn't for him joining us a few a few times before, um, Marcus probably wouldn't even be on the logo. But we got Jacob Rutner from Swamp 247 joining us tonight. How you doing tonight, man? I- I'm good. It's always a pleasure joining you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you on, man. And, and again, with Marcus on the logo this time, he's still on there. Absolutely. There you and go. Here we go. Taking him off, even though um he's borderline close to being taken off. Um, what I do? See, thank you, Jake. He always in my corner every time he comes on here. And he he's not. He's in my corner. You're my guy. Well, well you, if I Jaguars post, I'm going to have to um, talk to HR. Hey, man. It's game week, bro. It's it's gonna happen. Just let you know now. By the way, Jacob, you should go to a Jaguars game and actually go and, and get in a little hot tub or pool, whatever the heck it is they have up there, and enjoy the game from there. I might do it. I might. I might go check it out. There we go. Nice vibe. You get to get some waves in. You get to get some nice cool down there because it is a damn oven, especially in September. So you might as well do yeah. it. It's a good opportunity. The waves. Selling point. Yeah. Here we go. But how much? Was, real quick, before we get into the show, how much does that pool ticket cost? Actually, not a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, usually when I was there, it was like nine years, but like it's not a whole bunch of money to do it. Wait a minute. Um. Hmm. Oh wait, never mind. My Cowboys don't play there. Fortunately, again. So never mind. Won't be doing that. I mean, beat um, you there. So. But yeah, um, we got a show. We got a good show for y'all tonight. Well, I wouldn't call it good. I mean, because unfortunately, it's a show. We 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 started the season off with with the nail to the Utah Utes. Um, well, uh, man, you know, we we just when we break this, we're gonna break this game down for y'all and kind of get into the X's and O's of it. But Jacob, I know you were actually there in, in Utah. So before we even get into the game itself. Is the altitude real? Man, I, I don't know that I'm in a position to comment on that. They didn't have me running around out there. I, I got to sit in a seat and write about the game. So the altitude did not impact uh, my ability to, to write a story. But that doesn't mean it didn't impact Florida's football players, you know, who have to do a whole lot of running. And, and it is it is at high altitude. So, I, you know, how much it impacted them, I don't know. Uh, how much it impacted me, I would say none. But I don't know that I'm a great – barometer for the impact of the altitude right now yeah so let's just go ahead and get into the game um and speaking of games duke is driving on clemson right now but um but but let's go let's get into it um yeah so simple question what went wrong for florida uh i mean that's a that's a simple question with a not so simple answer i think one of the big problems for the Gators was if we're going to categorize it in a general way, it would be its organization. Uh, and whether that's organization in terms of its ability to avoid penalties and to play clean football, whether that's organization in terms of its ability to uh, protect the passer, 
or, you know, create lanes for its running backs. None of those things uh, were, you know, up to par throughout that game. I think that there was, you know, they, they had issues in just about every single phase. Special teams was a disaster. Uh, you know, the defense started off really slow, but, you know, by the time it got up to pace, it was kind of too little too late in the offense. Uh, I would say it's in the same category. It took all the way up until the fourth quarter to get a touchdown. Florida went seven consecutive quarters uh, without a score dating back to last year's Las Vegas Bowl. And, and so to me, if I had to describe this performance in one word, it would probably be dysfunctional. Oh, we get into one words. If my one word to describe this game, especially on the penalty side of things, shambolic. Because, like, penalties in, this, in, in the game of football, like injuries, are a fact of life. They're just going to happen no matter what, as long as humans play this game, right? But you never want to have penalties that just completely kill momentum, kill drives, gift wrap a, a change of possession for the opponent. Like, you don't want to do that. And we somehow did all of those things in one game. And on the fourth down, uh, t- try. False start. See, I have to sell for a field goal instead of potentially scoring a touchdown. Two, two guys wearing the same number on special teams. Gives them, a, gives them a first down, and they score a touchdown. And mind you, even if one of the two number threes was off the field, you still only got the penalty because Desmond Watson was on the field and someone else was wearing 21. So it wouldn't matter regardless. And then false starts. Hold that might kill a, a, a solid play. It's just time after time after time that when they had chances, they just couldn't get out of their own way. For me, my one word would be, yeah, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Um, a train wreck. That, 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 that's what it was for me. Because of everything you just said, Marcus, we managed to somehow make every possible stupid mistake in one game. Kills drives, you know, especially in the red zone. The red zone issues, the penalties is what did it. Yep. That that and the fact that um, you know, the first play of Utah's possession, all RJ Moten had to do was just keep drifting back. He did not even have to go for the crossing route. No, the the guy on the batteries had it. You gotta communicate that. Yeah, you you you, you can. I mean, it's a big play either way, but you give up that cross line. You don't give up a, a, a deep shot down the field. Exactly. You back. You you keep backing up a little bit more instead of biting on that crossing route. You might intercept the ball. So I I got I got to disagree with you guys on blaming Moten there. I, I I think Moten was put in an impossible situation. Moten had to choose, you know, between two routes because he was left essentially on an island after Florida decided to blitz Jaden Hill. It left Miguel Mitchell in man coverage and R.J. Moten providing help over the top. But once that play started to unfold, Moten had to decide between helping Mitchell and leaving the throw open to the outside receiver. And so, frankly, I don't, I don't know that I assess blame that same way to R.J. Moten. I think that that was uh, kind of one of the byproducts of this defensive structure. I think in a perfect world, an Austin Armstrong defense is going to be somewhat susceptible to chunk plays. That's what hurt them at, at, at his last stop, Southern Miss. That is what hurt Florida immediately right off the rip on the game. But the reality is, is that if you're going to be aggressive with defensive backs rushing the quarterback, it will put other defensive backs in precarious situations if you don't execute perfectly. And so I don't know that this is really so much on Moten so much as it is on the corner who's assigned man coverage right there. Uh, to me, it's kind of one of those situations where 
you know, assessing blame is, is difficult outside of the collective, I think. Uh, but I will say this, Florida will need to in the future be a lot more careful about how it protects itself against these chunk kind of plays. So my takeaway from that specific situation is not let's blame RJ Moten. It's all his fault. It's more how will this defense adjust so it is less susceptible to things like that and so it doesn't have to put guys like R.J. Moten in what I would go as far as to categorize as an impossible situation where you're forced to choose between evils. Yeah. I, That's I, very I, good brought up. Because, I, yeah, because like there was a point in the game where the defense did settle in and they did play pretty sound football, but there was one particular play where we really got away with one where they tried to throw, have a throwback pass I didn't want to say it was to your receiver or back. And he had, it was a wide open touchdown. It was like, oh my God, nobody there. He was going to pin his head on the goalpost and he overthrew it. Like, we got bailed out there. So, that's definitely something you got to look out for. Uh, and, and Jake, I, I agree with what you said there on that assessment because I guess I would say for me, if I were to make an adjustment, if you do something, if you have a play like that, maybe not so much Blitz Jaden Hill, but more so. Maybe one of the linebackers, if you're going to send somebody to bring pressure, because maybe then if you can have Jaden kind of cover that crossing pattern and stay on him, and you don't have to worry about, a, like you said, like R.J. Moten possibly having to choose between which route do I go for, because now that I think about it, it did kind of leave him in a, in a very precarious situation, and you really don't want to put your secondary in situations like that. So I definitely agree with everything you said there. Yeah, and the yeah, absolute and look, worst scenario happened. Oh, my fault, Jake. No, go, go ahead. I was saying, like, you don't ever want to put guys like that in situations. Plus, I've never been the biggest fan of blitzing DBs because they're much too valuable back there, and you need those guys to cover, especially in this day and age. And it just left them in the, a bad position, and the absolute worst-case scenario just took place. So, yeah, I get that. But I did like what the defense did. They did, they did settle in, in in the game. They they played better. Shamar James had a phenomenal game. At linebacker, uh, there were some splash plays by, by D line every so often, but not as many as I would have liked. Like Princey was in coverage a little too much for my liking. That was something I didn't love, especially when you're playing against a freshman left tackle. So I'd much rather tone down the Princey and coverage things. I'd much rather him it was hand dirt rushing the passer from this point. But hopefully they get in, they get into facilities, they make adjustments, they talk it over. And communication is going to be a thing that's really going to help them because there were also some times where the plays didn't get in in time and guys were kind of scrambling, having to adjust on the fly. Like sometimes it worked out, other times it didn't, but I need the plays to come in a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as far as the defense goes, one of the things that stands out to me quite a bit is that outside of that 70-yard pass, which obviously is a, you know, it's a neck breaker. You can't give those up. But, you know, to Florida's credit, Florida did not give up another pass of over 20 yards. The, the, uh, the next two biggest passes that Florida gave up after that 70-yard completion were for 17 and for 15 yards. It was a pretty acceptable defensive performance. I thought that the pressure could have been a lot better. Obviously, zero sacks is never going to get you to a victory for the most part. Uh, you know, you look at the run game, Florida did a pretty decent job. Uh, longest gain on the ground for Utah was that 27-yard keeper for a touchdown by uh, you know, fourth string quarterback, or in this case, backup quarterback, Nate Johnson. Uh, and, and honestly, the, the rest of the damage was heavily Johnson. Florida didn't do a great job covering the quarterback, but unlike in other games, there aren't going to be a ton of scenarios where Florida has to handle two different quarterbacks like Utah was deploying in this contest. 
And I think that that'll allow things to be cleaned up as well. So, you know, if, if we're going to look for positives, I do think that Florida did a very solid job defensively. Um, I, I, unlike a lot of people, I'm not really willing to uh, assign that overwhelming of a positive to what Graham Mertz did, but, but I do think that the defense did a fine job. Right. Right. And I, and I agree defensively. They, they settled in. They, I saw they only gave up a total of 270 yards. Let, let you know, um, you know, they settled in and Graham Mertz threw for more yards and they gave up. So I look at it and I think if you just clean up the simple mistakes that we made, the false start penalties, the, um, Two guys having the same number. You clean up penalties like that, things like that. I feel like this team is going to be fine. I mean, now offensively, we we couldn't run the ball to save our lives. But at the same time, there were times. I don't know if you guys noticed, they didn't even try to run the ball, and that's they what didn't. was frustrating me. So they they, oh, they, they, they kind of gave up on it and tried to use the screen game as the run game, but like they ran it so many and, times, it's like okay, they they sat right on it. That, that's going to be a thing that that Napier coach teams will do, and and I know that you know that might not be something that Florida fans want to hear in the immediate aftermath of this game. But so long as Billy Napier is calling plays at the University of Florida, there will be a decent amount of run replacement within their offense, and that screen passes, jet sweeps, or you know something that they like to do. In this game, we saw a lot more than we did previously, but touch passes where. The guy who's going to get the ball cuts in front of Graham Mertz and he does a little touch pass in order to get them going. Trevor Etienne had one of those that was actually reasonably successful. So that that's not something that I think needs to be avoided necessarily so much as we do just need to see more traditional run. And I think that Billy Napier knows that. He said that during his press conference today. He recognized that he did not run the ball as much as necessary. But, you know, two points to what you guys just said. One, Billy Napier couldn't necessarily run the ball later on in the game because the clock was too far gone and Florida was too far down in the scoreboard. So you're not going to spend clock, you know, with an attempt trying to run the ball. And the second thing is I think that the 270 yards that Utah was allowed to have could be a little bit of a misleading stat because you have to remember Utah had one drive that was 13 yards. Graham Mertz threw an interception deep in his own territory and they scored almost immediately. If that was a full length drive, we're talking about a team that probably has more total yards than Florida, providing they're able to score. But they had a 13-yard drive in total, which eliminates a certain amount of yardage for them. So uh, was Florida's defensive performance perfect? No. But again, you know, like I said a second ago, if we're going to look for a positive or at least something that was encouraging from this performance, I would say Florida's defense, particularly during the second half. Right. I, I agree. This is a good question. Why do we have, like we have to play either CFC or Princely? Played both of them on third and long in the past versus Packers. See, I I agree, but at the same time, I feel like how can I put it? I feel like there needs to be more rotations at the defensive end spot. Like maybe not just sit, just rotate a bunch of different guys, you know, just to keep everybody fresh. So and, and I'll be honest, I think Princely will play a lot better than he did Thursday night. Now, I, I didn't think he was really affected. But at the same time, there were times he was getting double and triple teamed as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And do my eyes deceive me or do I see Jerry trying to load in on here? Is he? He is. What? Where is he? The, the man Family. said 
not gonna join us tonight, and he decided, you know what? The heck with everything. I'm gonna join. So how much family trouble left. doing this? No, I'm I'm good, man. The fam left early, so I'm I'm here in time. I, I thought they were gonna leave a little later, but we're good, bro. We're good. Huh, wish we would well we got Jacob joining us tonight. So Jacob, what's Jared, going on, bro? How you doing, good. man? Good, good. Somewhat. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> So to get you kind of caught up, what was your assessment of Thursday night's debacle, as I'm going to call it, or train wreck? Dang, I just got on you and asked me that. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. Um, the fire. Honestly, man, I felt like we came in uh, pretty unprepared, honestly. I mean, I get it's the first game of the season. It's going to be sloppy. But uh, I thought there were some miscues, you know, getting towards uh, Utah's uh, side of the field, man. You know, we could have converted a few times. Things were, we looked like we had a little bit of a flow going, but there would be a false start, or you know, uh, even in good plays like when uh, Graham Mertz scrambled. I know runners on his thing, but he fumbled there. That looked a little sloppy. Um, I thought we could have executed a few more times. I uh, run the football. Uh, we got cued. I thought the uh, the little shuffle pass to uh, who was it? I think it was to Xanders was like an insane decision. Uh, I'll <laughs> it. Yeah, um, the offensive line. I expected more from uh, George. He he didn't impress me much. Uh, he didn't look like he had a lot of firepower energy out there. Um, I will say, though, you know, uh, on the bright side, I thought the, the linebackers looked better than what they did last year all around. I thought Derek Wingo looked a little bit active. I think Shamar and Scoob looked fast. Um, a lot of upside with Jordan Castell, both tackling and in coverage. Um, I didn't get a get a chance to see a lot of Kamari Wilson out there like how I wanted to. Um, I thought he could have helped a lot in that game specifically. Um, Cersei looked amazing, you know, for a freshman. McClellan looked good out there still. Uh, defensive line, I thought they impressed me a pretty good job. Um, Moten might have lost his spot like after one play. Uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I don't know. Man. I mean, it, it was crazy, man. And special teams, that was something I bragged about to y'all when I said I went to practice, that uh, I think it was Mahalik made like 11 out of 12 of his field goals from that exact range at practice. And he completely missed it, you know, at the game. So it, it was a lot, man, I think we had to look at and dissect. So it, it was tough. I was a little upset, not surprised too much, but just a little upset. So, Yeah. It was what it was, man. It was it was tough sledding there, but I will say, the times that Trey Wilson actually did have an opportunity to touch the ball, he made the absolute most of it. He got with like eight nine yards on the first touch he had. I want to say, he looked explosive. He looked every bit the natural bar, the natural runner and speed and space guy. They all said he was going to be. So I really want to see his role expand here, pretty sure, pretty soon, because he was really one of those guys. Him. And Caleb Douglas really impressed me. I had questions about him coming yeah. in, but I thought he looked—I thought he looked good. Pearsall was Pearsall. I'm not worried about him too much. And I think those are probably the three guys in the receiving core you really want to go to. I think Mercer was probably going to trust the most here. And Khalil Jackson had a nice catch here, also. I want to shout him out a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But the receiving core—it's—I don't say work in progress, but there are guys that you want to pick three guys out the lineup and say these are the guys I want to trust. These are the guys I really want to get the ball to, and everybody else you can feel it rolled in from there. For sure, 
for sure. Right. Rupert, I kind of wanted to ask you about the offensive line and um, what what you saw was the issue in the game with them. For me personally, I feel like the absence of Kingsley Guacan was very, very evident, you know, because he's the guy that makes all the checks. He makes all the calls on, you know, who get, who does what, who goes where. And that, that was sorely missed in that game. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to be honest though, I, I, I just, I, I really struggle. This is like the, when we were talking about safety before you joined Jerry, I, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it was fair to assess the blame to Moten. And I, I explained yeah. that because Moten, that it wasn't Moten's fault that that play got to where it was at. Moten had to That's make true. a decision. He was put in a bad spot. I don't know that yeah. I assess the blame to him 100% on that scenario. Mm-hmm. It, it's the exact same way that I wouldn't assess the blame to Jake Slaughter for the offensive line's performance because the reality is Jake Slaughter wasn't even grading out as the worst guy on the offensive line in that game. Austin Barber played a far worse game than than he did. Damian George played a far worse game than he did. I believe Austin Barber was either Florida's second lowest or lowest graded player in the mm-hmm. entire game, according to PFF. So we're, we're talking about a unit that had problems left to right all the way through. Uh, there, there wasn't really a clean performance throughout that group, in my opinion. And so, again, like, do I assess the blame to one person or do I believe that Kingsley's absence – was what single-handedly influenced what went down. No, I, I don't think that that's the case, nor do I think that that's fair to a guy like Jake Slaughter, who, you know, just in reality is the backup center, and he's the backup center for a reason. And so, uh, you know, could he have put together a better performance up the middle for Florida? Maybe, maybe. But but at the end of the day, you know, this this was a failure on Florida's front in, in general. And, and so I just, you know, I, it, it's hard for me to assess blame one way. Uh, well, that part I agree. I didn't mean like sound like it was, you know, the main part. But I feel like, I guess what I was saying was I felt like the communication wasn't as solid as you know we're normally used to seeing. So, I mean, and I get it. You know, Jake Slaughter is his first career start. So, I mean, he played about as well as he could play. I mean, going against that defensive line, he mm-hmm. really didn't play too bad of a game if you really think about it. You know, for me, I, I do agree. Austin Barber could have played a lot better. Damian George could have played a lot better. And yeah. I feel like they're going to get those issues fixed. Event, and hopefully we can use the McNeese State game to do that. But it's just a, just a few little things on there on the, along the offensive line that I saw where it was like that there was just no communication whatsoever. But It's blocking the assignments on plays that could have been sprung. Like the podcast he 10 wasn't a big fan of the play calls itself because I prefer that to be – Someone is more explosive hands, but mm. if Barber just gets on on the unblocked man on the edge. That play is getting sprung. So yeah. like just little things like that. If you just do your assignments, then some of these plays they're like, oh, why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? They could have been positive gains. Correct. Right. And Anthony, I'm, I'm do me a favor. I pull up pull up that last live comment. I want I want to address that. That's a good that's a good point. Which one? About cover um, one. About cover one from Rob S. All right. So yeah, I agree. yes, you you are you are correct. The safety in cover one has to be the deepest of the deep. But and this is the really important part. And and to my point, if you go back and you watch the game, you'll notice the first thing that happens right off the line of scrimmage is two dudes get beat. Jason Marshall gets beat, 
and yeah. Miguel Mitchell gets beat real bad. And yeah, so exactly. RJ Moten, who's in cover one, has to make an impossible decision between do I go cover Marshall's mess up? Do I go cover the receiver who's open because of Marshall? Or do I go cover the, the you know the open route that was on Mitchell's side of the field? And the reality is, is that, you know, did he execute making that choice perfectly? No. But but are we really going to assess the blame to a guy who was not responsible for the man-to-man assignment on either of the receivers who were open on that play? I, I think that's completely unreasonable. So good point. Yes, the safety does need to be the deepest of the deep in cover one. But part of that is you can't get toasted on both sides of the field if you're Jason Marshall and Miguel Mitchell. Yeah, that was a whole mess up in and of itself, like – Everybody has to be on point in cover one, especially in today's day and age, like when receivers are so fast. You gotta communicate that. You gotta just do your own you do your job. And nobody really did an absolute worst case scenario just took place. It was what it was. And if you're if you're um Miguel Mitchell, Jason Marshall, you just you you gotta be better getting covering in coverage against these guys. You can't like for example, if they're running an inside route, you can't give them inside leverage. Outside, right? I can't give them outside leverage whatsoever. So you fix little things like that, or don't be flat footed because it looked like Marshall was flat footed. Yeah, yeah. On those on that play. So little things like that, and RJ Moe's not put in that impossible position. So, Jacob, I agree 100% with what you just said there. Jerry, did you have any questions for him? Oh, uh, I don't know if you spoke on uh, Princely. But what was your assessment of him? I know a lot of fans are bashing him, you know, in his play, specifically the one play where he kind of like he just gave up. Uh, how much of the blame would you put on him as a player and as a leader, you know, for what we saw for specific things that happened? Yeah, I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I, look, I, I think that Princely absolutely needs to perform better than he did. He was pretty much a non-factor throughout this game. And at times, as you pointed out, I think that he was part of the problem, not the solution. So, you know, when I personally go back and I evaluate a game, you, you typically fall into one of three categories. You're a part of the problem, you're relatively neutral, so you're not necessarily influencing the game in either way, or you're a part of the solution, meaning that you're a productive force on the field. I, I thought that Princely jumped back and forth between non-factor to somewhat of a negative impact. You mentioned hustle on a couple plays that was pointed out by the national level of media throughout the week, and, and that is certainly a play that he'll probably kick himself for when he watches the film. Uh, am I concerned over his performance? No, I, I really do believe that, that Princely has what it takes to be uh, a very positive force for this defense. I think that he's a talented player. Um, if I had one concern about what we saw from him, it's probably what he looked like in coverage. Um, mm-hmm. Just a step slow. It was, it was tough to, to kind of recognize things. Uh, I think of that double pass immediately. You know, if his responsibility is to cover that receiver, that actually doesn't change no matter who's throwing the ball. The double pass should not have caused him to hesitate. So when they went to the other side of the field and a receiver was behind him, that dude's beating him, whether it's a single pass straight from the quarterback, whether it's a double pass trick play like it was. And the only thing that prevented a touchdown was a bad throw from a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, that's probably my biggest area of concern. But as far as his ability to rush the passer goes, I, I, I'm willing to chalk it up to just game one, and we'll see what happens as we move forward. Yeah, that was my thing about him and covers. Like the system is the system, and the assignments are the assignments. But Princey should not be covering anybody, man. <laughs> it just it is what it is. But I, I, I think that's like 
you know, another thing, you have to look at the personnel out there and kind of figure out and assess how can we put guys in the best position to be successful if you're a coaching staff. Like, I think a guy like Cersei, the guy can move. I think he'd be better off in coverage probably than what a guy like Princely would be. I think Princely's still adjusting. He dropped weight. Like, he's still trying to figure out how to utilize his body, you know, at that weight, at that size, being that lean. So it's a lot that goes into it, in my opinion. Right. Um. This is a good question here. Well, Rob, I want to get into that. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Uh, you can go ahead and get into that first, man. Let, let let me let me let me respond to it quickly because I actually have to jump off here in about a minute. But okay. the, yes, of course, Utah had a game plan to to neutralize Florida's rush. Uh, Utah had a game plan for everything Florida did, but it's on Florida to have a creative enough game plan and to deploy its guys effectively enough that it's able to compete with that. And throughout four quarters, when you look completely uncompetitive and then maybe at times slightly competitive, that's insufficient. And, and, and yes, Florida did have a, you know some QB hurries. I would not call it a lot of QB hurries, but, but some. You know, that's great if you win. Some QB hurries, QB hurries to me is a stat that's dependent on the result of the game. You, you can you can rush the quarterback, but if they're still effective, they're still able to score enough points to be able to beat you. You didn't necessarily do your job. Florida did not get its hands on the quarterback enough times. It had zero sacks throughout the game. To to me, that's insufficient pressure. So uh, to your point, yes, they did a good job of neutralizing the rush. That that is not something that pardons the performance, though. I think that Florida would even tell you that it has to be significantly better in that category. Right. And Jacob, we know you got to head off here in a few in a minute. So we appreciate you for coming on and taking the time to you know, talk with us. But real quick, before, two things. Number one, let's get a score prediction for the McNeese State game. And mm. two, let everybody know where they can follow you and read your stuff. Score prediction. I haven't really thought about it, so you're going to be the first to get one. I'm going to go boring. Uh, we're going to go – 49 to 7, 49 to 10, 49 to 10. McNeese gets a field goal too. And uh, where can you find me? Twitter, Jacob Rudner or uh, X. I haven't actually had to say that since it changed names. So X is, is where you can find me uh, at Jacob Rudner. It's just my first and last name. And uh, over at swamp247.com is where you can find anything that I'm writing. It's still Twitter to me if you ask me. I can't yeah, me say too. It. Really, yeah. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. Yeah, we we appreciate you for joining us tonight, man. And um, we'll have you on again soon. So appreciate you. No doubt. I'll see you guys soon. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you. For- that was Jacob Rudner from Swap Two Four Seven. Um, not a great insight that he he gave he gave us. So um, kind of just continuing to break this game down, Jerry. Since you joined us late as usual, of course, but you know circumstances beyond. Your control caused that we know, and your Wi Fi is still messed up. We can clearly tell um, because you're in robot mode right now. But, um, yeah, what are some things that what what are some other things that you you happen to see that you, you want to see the team improve on? Um, well, I think one thing is leadership, leadership is. The largest, uh, the largest thing for me, you know, if you can gather the troops, figure out a way to. I've been sure was that voice last year. 
But unfortunately, he was dinged up. You know, he couldn't play every single game. But, you know, he was there. And Osiris Torrance is another guy that would gather the troops, even though he only played one year. Um, another thing, man, I think a lot of this was on Billy to kind of figure out. Um, everybody was so, you know, full on, you know, we're going to have possibly two guys rush for over 750 yards, you know, this and that. I, from what I saw, I firmly believe the running game will regress. One, the right side is not nearly as good as what it was last year on the line. When you, whenever you have a guy that has a brick, you know, uh, a guy who is an NFL talent like Osiris Torrance uh, leaving, that obviously is just something that you can't replace uh, just right out of, you know, right off the bat. Two, I think people didn't realize how much Anthony Richardson helped us in the running game. Everybody had their eyes on him. You know, like we froze the linebackers when he was in the game. Like the running game just worked. Billy Napier went away from it a lot of times last year, like against FSU. He stopped. But the the linebackers had no choice but to respect how fast, how athletic, you know, AR was. And the safeties also were afraid of the deep threat. This year we don't have a quarterback with a cannon arm like that, and we don't have a guy like Anthony Richardson that can run for 70 yards for a touchdown to just break a game open. So it's up to Billy to be creative. So now you're going to see a lot of times where the running backs get two, three yards here, but you can't abandon it. You have to trust it. You have to live and die by it, in my opinion. Then put Graham Mertz in better positions to convert on a third and six rather than a third and 12, you know, or a third and 10. So I think that's going to be up to Billy to kind of fix that and try to, you know, figure out how he can evolve around Graham Mertz's abilities and around the abilities of these young wide receivers that we have this year. Well, there is a there is somewhat of a solution to this, but it's not going to happen for a minute, sadly. But it's some things where he kind of has to understand feel of the game. Correct. You no, know, because like no one really questioned his ability as a coach or anything like that last year. Because but there were times where something would work or something just wouldn't, and we just would kind of go away from it too much. Mm-hmm. Or double down on it if it wasn't working because we just didn't have a good feel of what was going on. And then like we come out of halves doing it, especially. Like I always bring up the floor state game last year as the biggest example of it because that's just the biggest glaring one. But there were definitely other times when we just kind of got away from things that worked. And here we just abandoned a little too early. I get why, because the line struggled so much. So yeah. we can't completely say that play call, but some of the things that he did, yeah. 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 And for me, um, yeah, um, first of all, the kids got to play. I'm, I'm just going to come right and say the kids got to play because they looked really good and they looked ready out there. Yeah. Now, and we're going to need them to win games. Let's just be honest. Oh, undoubtedly. Here, but we, we don't – oh, snap. We'll ship the rope tackle. Um. But, yeah, we're, we're going to need these guys. But I look at it and think this, too. We can't continue to be behind the stick season. Thank you. There was a lot of times where, you know, you're playing from behind the sticks. So now you got to ask Grammar to throw the ball 40-plus signs. So I do agree that a lot of it – a lot of that was due to the fact that, you know, we couldn't really run the ball that well. So we got to find other ways to get the run game going. And I'm of the mindset we need to use tempo. 
that's a way that can get this running game going because if you got guys on the defense side out of position because they're still trying to get lined up, you're going to get chunk plays in Thank the running game. Thank you. Thank you, Avery. That, that, I was literally going to bring that up. If you noticed, like that game last uh, Thursday, when we used tempo, not only were we able to run the ball a little bit better, we also had the ability to kind of spread the defense out, keep it confused, and exploit one-on-one matchups. We went away from throwing to Marcus Burt. And he was – he obviously had a mismatch. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was crazy. We used a tempo and we got to where we wanted to get, but then we slowed it down. We got stagnant. We started calling slow development plays, and then we got stuck. But if we use tempo, we have the running backs to rotate in and out, you know, to do that. So it's like – it's not like we can't do it. We just got to actually put – you know, put a foot forward, our best foot forward, and actually do it. And that's my biggest gripe with with Napier's play calls. Like, there's just no real – Sense of urgency behind a lot of the things. Like mm-hmm. there's just no tempo. There's like even when tempo's working, you get away from it, or you probably need to slow it down. You go tempo anyway. It's just you got to figure out what you want to be. Like that yes. was game one. It's a little early, but when you see something's working, just spam it. You might as well. Yeah, bro. Literally, literally. There's a good question here. Yes. Well, it's obvious because it's a heavy side. Like everybody knows, I can pretty much tell you what what play we're running as soon as as soon as I see the you know the, the the formation. I mean, everybody knows we're running towards the side with Xanders. If he's in the game, we're running towards towards almost every time, and it's a, a quick motion to across the formation. Like it's very very painfully obvious what we're gonna do. Yes, yes, it, it absolutely is. But he has to get creative. Speaking of stagnant offenses, uh, this ain't it right now. Clemson, this this yeah. offense ain't it right now. Nah, bro, it's not yeah, great right now. Um, so we're gonna keep an eye on that game and see see what happens. Duke's defense is legit, but um, another thing I noticed really, and it was more on the defensive side of the ball. We didn't really bring a whole lot of pressure in this game. Now, the times that we did give, it, give credit to Utah, they got the ball out quick. Oh, snap. This may be the break that Clemson needed right here. Dude. Punt. That's why you did A month punt, got the ball back deep in Duke's territory. But I noticed we didn't bring a whole lot of pressure, but credit to Utah when we did. They had plays where they were the quarterbacks getting the ball out of his hands quick, so it wasn't like they weren't winning. Like Princeton, when he had one-on-one battles, he was winning. He was actually winning those battles. That's what a lot of people don't don't look at. I looked at the game within the game. He was winning a lot of his one-on-one battles. Yeah. Times where he quote-unquote disappeared was when he was getting double teamed or getting chipped. And I think he tried to. Well, I don't know if he should have been on Twitter doing this, but he was trying to basically explain that. But everything he was explaining, I, I saw that. One on one battles, like he was dominating that battle. He really honestly was, but they were getting the ball out quick. So, well, I, but I feel like there are other ways we can bring pressure. Like just send more guys. And that that is that is what I, I'm very confused about. And I think I was I think we talked about this in the last episode where I, I brought up how I expect to see a lot of Kamari Wilson blitzing, you know, sure. in the box. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I didn't see that. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, us just sitting back, letting things happen. 
and letting the tight end slip behind us, you know, and the quarterback had all day at times to be able to find the guy open down the field. And right. you got to give credit to uh, where credit's due. Whittingham, he he developed the game plan for us. You know, he kept us off balance with the, the two-quarterback system, which doesn't work for us a lot of times, but it worked for them against us, ironically. Yeah. But um, I feel like we couldn't ever figure out how to just specifically stop them in key moments. We, we didn't do too bad, but the, the pivotal moments, the, you know, the moments to change a game, like, for example, there were there was a, a fumble we didn't get. Devin Moore, you know, he could have got an interception, but he missed it. Um, what, there was another play I felt like we should have had. Am I missing one more? I don't think so. Well, just a few of those game-changing plays, you know what I'm saying? Like, we couldn't convert, and that, that is what drove me crazy. Right now, what'd you say? Let's not use the word game changer right now. Oh my gosh, yeah, not uh, not ideal. We changed the game, right? For the other team, yeah, for the other team, we did. And and like, it's if you look at the FSU LSU game yesterday and look at ours, LSU could have easily, like, easily been up 28 to 7. like I'm pretty sure we can all agree on that, right? Like, could have, but they weren't, and they got scored in the fourth quarter. So exactly, and they got blown up. Unless we had a, a plethora of chances, dude, to really do something and blew it. In those moments, you know they're going to cost you at the end of the game against a good team specifically. And it happened. Clemson, huh? Touchdown, Clemson. Um. Thought Strong's gonna be. I, I thought he was too. I, I really did. Um, I, I, and I and honestly, your point about Kamari Wilson, I felt like this was a game where he should have played a lot more. It was a Kamari Wilson game. It probably was the type of game for him. I don't know if it's good was. enough to make up for it. Because Tennessee is not gonna be a Kamari Wilson game unless I'm proven wrong, but I don't think it's gonna be a Kamari Wilson game. It ain't. That's a Jordan Castell game, you know, <laughs> like for real. Hey, hey, hey shout out to him. He proved himself out there. But he did yeah. not play bad at all. Him and Jakeem made a few good plays out there. Jakeem came up and made a good tackle. I mean, the safeties in the corners, I feel like, look better tackling this year. So Yeah, far. I need to be better covering also. They they, they did well. They weren't terrible for the most part, well, except for that first play. But for the most part, they weren't horrible. If you I, think need about it. I need better than not horrible, though. That's my, that's my thing. Well, Bryson Barnes only threw for like 159 yards. So it wasn't really the game, but their game was really just get out quick and just steal some damn uh, yards and mostly run it though. So I mean, it wasn't going to be a big showcase of throwing around the yard anyway. Well, they won. They won the third down battle. We were atrocious on third down. I think it was one for 13. It was bad. It was, it was bad. bad. They weren't much better. They were what three for 13. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, either team really did that well on third down. We just made the stupid mistakes in crucial moments. Third and one, fourth and one, false start. Two guys out there with the same number. If I see that again this year, somebody somebody getting fired. I don't know who, who fired. Somebody getting fired, and that's going to be my job at that point. Mr. Game Changer, Mr. Bobby from King of the Hill. Yeah, yo, that job is mine if I see that again. I'm just telling that Billy, hey, Billy, man. I don't care who you interview, that job is mine. Is it just- That's not even the most embarrassing special teams thing we had. You're like, y'all remember on the missed field goal, bro? Where they guys in the field? 
Oh my and, god, I didn't realize that, bro. Yeah, eight guys. Eight guys on the field when they were attempting a field goal. Shambolic, bro. Like you like, bro, all you gotta do is count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. How the fuck you miss three guys? How? <laughs> Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Bro? Hey, I want to ask y'all a question. I want to ask y'all a question. So, do y'all do y'all feel like the Ricky Pearsall Percy Harvin package is valid, or do you think like we need to diversify? A little bit? <laughs> <laughs> he has a Percy Harvin. <laughs> I love Ricky. I love Ricky. <laughs> we, to, we gave him a Percy Harvin package, bro. Hey, man. hey, oh, you you being serious about that? Huh? You being serious about that? Well, like, that's a I'm real not question. Saying, I'm not saying this to let you know they call it Percy Harvin package, but this guy we have him everywhere on the field, and I feel like he used to be running routes. I mean, you're taking him out of the out of them route, which you're doing that shit first and foremost, and one that shit don't scare nobody. Nobody after with Trey Wilson, that'd be a different story, sure. But first, don't scare shit. That's not that's not what he's supposed to be doing out there, bro. Like the the guy's a great route runner, uh, pretty reliable. But like, you're limiting yourself doing that, and you're taking other guys out of the game. I feel like Caleb Douglas, he's obviously improved. You know what I'm saying? Marcus Burke obviously is improved. Utilize those guys more, so you can kind of balance out your offense a little bit more. You know, and like I told my dad when we were watching the game, I said, a lot of times these routes that are being ran, like if you're questioning why Graham Mertz is taking sacks, he doesn't want to throw an interception and there's nothing open downfield. You know what I'm saying? So it's, so yeah, it's just like, bro, you're limiting yourself too much. It's too much condensed space. Like you need to be spreading it out and not condensing the field with all these damn tight ends, first and foremost, who aren't fast enough to be out there in the route tree. And second of all, the short side motion does not fool anyone, and you're condensing it even further. You're limiting yourself. It, it, this, it's a high school damn play. I see how she run a high school. Yes. It's this not great. I disagree with this because Rob Dang, is Rob. out there. Yeah, um, I think we'd be in a little bit more trouble than you think. Trust that, me. That tells you, you a lot. That's the case. I think he kind of made the I think he kind of made the point for him, maybe. Like this isn't the greatest I've seen before. Now, to be fair, a lot of these guys are 18 years old. But Ricky Pearsall in a like actual factual, like top of the line at offense FBS, he's more like your two or three if in all reality. Fantastic two or three. As your one, it's kind of middle of the pack. Yeah. Give or take. I'm gonna say this. That's not a detriment to Ricky Pearsall. It's that's not. I'm just, it's that's to us. Yeah. To everybody else, because somebody ain't. That's somebody. That number one guy needs to be Caleb Douglas, if you ask me. From what I saw, route running's better. His hands have. He's gotten stronger. His hands have gotten stronger. I mean, I saw. I needed to see. You know what I'm saying? I, I get. I get people. I've seen some people compare Ricky Pearsall. Well, people in group messages and whatnot. Ricky Pearsall to to Lad McConkey. That's a whole different ball game. That's not the same player. The only difference is they're both white. <laughs> like exactly, it's a different ball game. Plus, 
if you had if you have the offensive line to give the quarterback that much time and you're keeping people off balance, sure. But this is not the case here. You're basically saying you're basically telling Ricky to be Kadarius Tony, you know, or or Percy Harvin, bro. Like that's not what he's gonna do. You know, like he's not. I think it's I think it's doing him a disservice. Last year he had a perfect role. Justin Shorter was the guy we went to I mean, a lot of situations, especially deep down the field, and it made Pierce all better. You know what I'm saying? I, I just uh, yeah. I don't know. So man. all that being said, Jerry, you and I have gone back and forth on this a little bit. Well, I won't say back and forth, but we've talked about it. What do we think about the execution of this offense going forward? And what do we think about the whole offensive coordinator elephant in the room? I have mm. to take this as well. I said it. I said it September 3rd, 2022. Get an offensive coordinator. And this is not a knock. This is not a knock on Billy Napier. For sure, for sure. But if Urban Meyer needed an offensive coordinator, if Kirby Smart needed a defensive coordinator, if Nick Saban needed Kirby Smart, what are we waiting on here? Ed Orgeron is a middle-of-the-pack coach. He got him the right OC and won a championship with talent. It's pretty obvious to me. Like This man had Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and all the boys and running straight uh, eye formation. And then, and then he just all of a sudden found Joe Brady at a little seminar and said, hey, bro, you want to come coach this? You want to put this in actual 21st century offense? And what happened? One of the greatest offenses we ever, we've ever seen in the college game. Exactly. Hold on. Marcus, you actually just made my take. That's literally what we need to do. Not because I do think they need an offensive coordinator, but if he's going to call plays, we need to run the spread. You got way too many athletes in that group to not be running the spread offense. If you run a spread offense, it'll be, it'll be more of a 21st century offense. But number two, you're going to see guys like Trey Wilson open all the time. Guys like Caleb Douglas getting open all the time. Ricky Pearsall is going to be a lot better in that kind of offense as well. The running game is going to get going. You're actually going to help the offensive line because if you run the spray and run a little tempo with it, guess what? They're going to understand all the concepts. Then now you got defenses on their heels. It's going to make everything a lot better if you if you think about it. And on top of that, with Grant, with Grammar's the way he the way he performed, the way he was able to throw the ball. Imagine what he looked like. He, he I totally agree. He would look one thousand percent better. We could just drop back and pass the ball. Now I, I, I will say I will say though, all of this should be paraphr- should be paraphrased with the phrase "in theory." No, this in is not, theory this is not we have to run this, which I think we should do it anyway. In yeah. theory, Grammar should be better doing this, but we don't know because again. We ain't got an offense coordinator. It's Bill Napier doing the damn play calls. And if we're gonna get an offense coordinator, let him actually be the offensive coordinator. Don't ma- don't meddle. Don't do none of this whole oh we need to run this type of stuff. No, let him cook over there, and you worry about everybody else in the sidelines. Just be a CEO and call it a day. And, and Marcus and, and AB, this I, offense is something that an FCS team runs when you're trying to be in the spot. This is what App State was running as Tennessee in 2017, bro. Except they actually ran it good. We can't do it clearly. 
And again, I just want to keep saying this because people will watch it and say, oh, they're negative. They're bashing Billy. We are not bashing Billy. We want to have a dialogue. Yeah. What we're literally saying is this. Sometimes you just got to be a CEO. You, you can't double down on this stuff. You, If you really no. are discounting all this stuff, yada, yada, you can't double, triple, quadruple down. You got to see the forest for the trees and just realize, okay, I can't do this. I'm wearing way too many hats. I'm over here. I'm over here. I got 100 billion coaches. I got two offensive line coaches for whatever reason. Just consolidate a little bit. Get somebody to actually run this offense and take it over. And you do everything else. You do the regular day-to-day game management. Correct. You don't have to have and your hands in so many pots. Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember the painful comparison I made with this offensive style? Do y'all remember who I compared it to? No, I don't. Rephrase it again. Do y'all remember the painful, the painful comparison that I compared this offense to when I saw it initially? I think I might have compared it off off camera. But I stated, it hurts me. But I remember those short side of the field tosses and those dumb bubble screens with Malik Davis in 2017. And those stupid bubble screens to Kadarius Tony that everybody saw coming in 2017. I hate it. I hate it. Oh. I was gonna Rob. I was gonna say nuss. I was gonna say nuss. Same thing. Same. Same thing. Same thing. Now I will say though, 2016, 2015, when we got ahead, when we got ahead, and our defense is great. When we got ahead, we were able to win games and wear people down, right? But in a game like the the LSU 2015 game, when we relied on Treon Harris to be a world beater. You know, and go out and try to outscore LSU. It failed. You know what I'm saying? It, it just failed. You, you mean the Treon Harris that I, I glorified? I, I was like, Treon Harris is him. You know, that's what I thought, bro. Amen. But it, it was just bad. You know, it was bad. <laughs> he he should be. He should be, bro. He should be. But I got I gotta wait to, I gotta wait to see this 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 year play out. I just don't need his play call no more, bro. It's time to pack it up. It, it is. I'm sorry. And get an actual special teams coordinator, please. Yeah, that's, that is game changer bullshit. See, that's my bigger concern right there. Like, we, and on top of that, you know, you know, he's not an on the field coach. Oh, brother. Yeah. He's yeah. Not? No, he's not. Why? What? Why? Right, bro. Okay, Billy. You got 100,750 11 coaches, man. You don't need this many, first and foremost. Second of all, if you're going to be out there, put them on the goddamn field so you can know what the fuck's going on. That's just that you can't have oversight like that. You just can't. You have all you have all these damn sets of eyes, and nobody saw them have two freaking numbers on the damn field. Two pairs of it? No one? Not even you? Not even the coordinator? How do you what do are we that? doing? Fuck! <laughs> like, what are we doing? I, I hate that I had to do it. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I, I got to do it. 
I, I got to turn this up and I got to do this. I I I had to do it. Because you know, the moment itself calls for it. If I can find it, I should be able to find it very you know. soon. But uh I, I, I just don't know, bro. And I, I'm tired, I'm tired of people comparing us to X, Y, and Z. Like I understand the process with Norvell and Kirby Smart losing to Vanderbilt year one and all this. Just not the same. <laughs> don't even I don't want anyone even trying to make that I don't want to I don't want to talk about it right now. Here's the question, y'all. What are we doing? What are we doing? What like what I seriously, what are we doing? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? When it comes to special teams, why? Nigga, you might need to contract this fucking army. Fuck this army shit, bro. If you, I, oh, I don't. That is, it's just the fact that. I mean, I understand the concept of why you have two offensive line coaches. I get it because you want to put an emphasis on two offensive line coaches. Right now, is not working. One, of, one of them, honestly, get pick one and go with one. And then get an offense coordinator. I agree with that part. We don't even need two offensive line coaches. What to do? What they gonna be? They gonna be an extra lineman out there on the field? I agree. <laughs> like what are we doing? Like what I are we agree. running over every time? Christ Almighty! Because <laughs> go ahead, Amy. What you gonna say? <laughs> what you say? It's all right, bro. I, I understand, bro. Because I look at it and I think, I do think we need an offense coordinator. I do. And we've been saying it. And just let Billy just be the CEO because he has too much on his plate. In my opinion, he has too much on his plate. But, like I said, if he's going to call plays, you have got to change the style of offense. That you're running right now. Yep. You can't have this many athletes and not spread everybody out. I don't need 70,000 tight ends on the field to, for three-yard dump-offs that contribute to a vast majority of them 333 yards, bro. I don't you're need do- that. You're doing yourself a disservice. When you have – you got Odom and, and, and Xanders out there. They're not going to do – Imagine you line up Ricky Pearsall, Caleb Douglas, Eugene Wilson, you know, and then you can put out the tight end if you want to, Livingston, or maybe even, you know, Sanders. But, like, you will do yourself so much better utilizing your talent like this. You know what I'm saying? I think you don't need some of the services having one or two wide receivers out there that, like, let's be honest. I love Khalil. I love, I love those guys. But, like – who are we scaring right now? Us. The fan base. <laughs> and even even, even Khalil could be used better than what he was utilized. You know, like even him. Because he does he was caught at a 4-3-4, so clearly he can run. He can run. But we would never be able to tell it though, because they're limited by the play calling. You know what I'm saying? And Billy. The University of Florida is not a school you can come in and just have a boring offense. 
You know, that's just not who we are. Yeah, we're gonna win more than twenty four to three. Let's not get carried away. That carried I hope away. we I hope we win by, you know, more than twenty one points. Um okay. Rob, Rob, Rob. Why not use we didn't use phrase yards? We did not use phrase yards, bro. This is my thing though. If Billy's going to call plays. Steve Murray, right there, ask him for some help. Like, my goodness. I mean, you, the, I mean the man's got a high, he's got a national championship as a coach. He's, his statue is outside the damn building. I mean, it's to be fair, though, to be in complete fairness, I wouldn't do that because one, just hire a damn coordinator your damn self. Two, just hire a coordinator your damn self. Three, why the fuck oh, you call plays in the first place? Why do no, you think it's going to work? But this is what I'm saying. If you're going to call the plays, like there, there's, there's somebody you can go to. Bro, you say, uh, scrap this and this, add this. And, 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 I'm t- like, it's not, nobody gets anywhere. This is in life. Nobody gets anywhere without help. Like, let's just be real. Nobody's you, Anthony. anywhere without help. It's, it doesn't make you any less of a person to ask for a little bit of help. That's what like, I'm saying. I'm not on the whole like Nate year two thing, but not delegating and not getting yourself a corner and not facing the most obvious problem that you have on your coaching staff is going to get you fired sooner rather than later, Billy. Really it really will. You cannot be proud of the University of Florida. Like Just literally. Seriously. And ask, everybody that's damn I ain't gonna say his name. <laughs> And we, bro, we, I love Billy. I think Billy's a stand-up guy. I want to see him succeed. But you cannot let pride get in the way. Not having an offensive coordinator, not having an offensive coordinator in the SEC is, and you know, he said he wants an army. It's like having an army with bow and arrows and no guns. Right? Yeah, but it's like you're not doing anything. And the, the truth of the matter is, I saw Florida State's defense last night. I saw how fast they were. I saw – we always see Georgia's defense. And, heck, we even saw LSU's defense. When you play these teams, when you play these teams, bro, none of that bull crap with Odom or Xander is going to work. It's not going to work, bro. And you don't, you don't have a guy that can run a 4-4 – and jump over people and throw the ball 80 yards, you know, praying that something can happen to save you. You know what I'm saying? You have a quarterback that has some talent, will make mistakes, but has some talent. You got to find a way to make him a somewhat successful quarterback. You have ETN, who was, in my opinion, is going to make it to the league, be a really good running back. Montreal Johnson is going to make it to the league, be a pretty solid running back. Find ways to make these guys better. I mean, I mean, you have to. Yeah. Because what we saw Thursday night, and I get it, is is one game, and I've been saying the entire time we we got to stop overreacting. It's not just the how we look, but how other teams look as well. Because it's just week one. We don't know how these teams are going to look. We don't know how anybody's going to look after one week. We can't declare, oh, this team's going to be terrible. When this seems a national title contender, 
after we won. Let's just be real. We can't do that. Because think mm-hmm. about it. We beat Utah. And we was lying our asses off. We were lying. We're doing it right now still. We, we played past here. And what yeah. happened? I just want to be honest. I just want to be honest. I went to the Utah game last year. I sat there. I was underwhelmed by the performance as a whole. I thought Anthony Richardson looked like Superman. Other than that, I didn't like what I saw offensively. And I said, like a shitty team out there. Like, yeah. Anthony Richardson was just a walking cheat code. He went number four in the draft for a reason. No one was tackling him out there on Utah. They didn't see nobody run that fast in Utah before. No. Who's the won the game? That, that essentially, that is what won us the game. And let's be honest, we were in a Mari Bernie miracle once in a lifetime play away from being distraught. You know what I'm saying? Like, and keep in, like, we played a second, third string quarterback. They didn't have Keithy, who murdered us last year. They missed seven stars on defense, seven, and looked like a more cohesive unit overall than what anything that we tried to do. Well, let's be honest. When we had Alice on the show last week, he did tell us they had a lot of depth too. They got depth, and I let me, let me give Utah some praise. Their defense not only are they pretty talented, they're disciplined. They are a disciplined group. And the crazy thing is, don't break. and this is the crazy thing. I went on with them last week with um, what what are they called? Um, damn, what are they called? Hold on, let me. I gotta look it up. But I went on with some guys from Utah last week, and we were discussing this game. And I said that they're one of the only teams in the country outside the SEC that's built like an SEC team. I ain't gonna cap, man. Some people thought I was crazy for saying that. I just got one question for y'all. After Thursday night watching that game, y'all think I'm crazy now for saying it? I think we're just bad, honestly, but they are really good. <laughs> Marcus is crazy. <laughs> but they are pretty, really damn good, and they won the Pac-12 years in a row for a reason. Yeah. Exactly. They are physical. They got they got some big dudes. There's a reason why they beat the life out of a very talented USC team last year. Like we saw who was more physical and who wasn't. Yeah. I only got one question though. Coach, uh, do I still trust Jake Slaughter? Still who? Still what? They still trust Jake Slaughter? They still believe in him? They do, but you know, um, it's obvious starting for <laughs> it's obvious that he's starting for a reason. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, or, we built depth. What did I say last week on the show, though? What did I say last week about that? I thought he said, you know, depth is great until you have to use it, which is true. Which is true. But, yeah, sure. you know. But I'm going to say, I'll say this. Kingsley not being out there hurt multiple ways. Number one, because you didn't have your start center. Number two, because without him, you literally have a brand new starting five out there. Because yeah. there's five different guys in what you saw last year. But number three, like I was saying earlier with Jacob on the show. You're now like he's the guy that makes all the checks, makes all the calls. Mm. He lets other guys know, okay, this is what you have, this is who you have to get here, this is what you do here. Like 
you didn't have that with Jake Slaughter out there. This is his first career start, and the asking to have to do that on the road against that type of team is too much to ask. It's too much to ask. I wouldn't even just own I wasn't even as mad at Jake Slaughter as I was Damian I George. He, he could he could have been better, bro. He really could have been better. A lot better. I mean, like, oh my. how he played. I mean, well, we didn't have any time to protect us, so I wasn't gonna work. It was what it was. I agree, Rob. Rob is on point tonight, brother. You are on point. Yes. And yeah, here's another one from him. Yep. Yep. They have I, the average dude. I don't know. We See, we need to I'm gonna say it. Again, also paraphrase with in theory, yes. And we should do it in exec- in execution. It's gonna take some time, but it's gonna be a lot better. And I mean a hell of a lot better. It it just gives you a chance. Like I don't think it's I don't know if it's gonna be a magical fix, like right now with this particular squad. But give yourself a fucking chance. Yeah. Like, don't condense the field so much to the point where you really have no options. And you have Grant Mertz out there who respects the man. He did what he he did okay out there. He didn't look like he wasn't a complete disaster. He didn't throw up on himself. But you don't want to throw him 40 times. And this building up your offense, considering the statistics and how our win loss record when we throw 40, 30 plus more times. You don't want anyone to get. I don't care you got back. Didn't the AR have like 400 or 500 yards against Vanderbilt and we still lost? We, we stunk when we threw for that many yards. We just weren't good. Tennessee, we lost. I mean, it's just. There's well, a chance in that game. That was more on the defense, not the offense. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we can't exactly blame the offense. I mean, we had some symbols of any kind of defense that game. We win that game with AR throwing 400 plus yards. You know what? I, yeah. I, I know. I know we're ranting about offense, and we could. I could do this all night, but ranting about offense because that was just about the whole team in general. Let, let's let let's sh- let's kind of shift over to the defense. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. How do y'all feel about defense. position by position? I mean, how are we feeling? How are we feeling? Defensive line, they're physical and they're bigger. They look like an SEC offense. They'll run like an SEC. Um, excuse me. They're big and they're physical, and they play the run well, like an SEC defense. They don't run and don't have the wiggle of an SEC defensive line that it needs to be succeed at a high level. Linebackers, I had questions about coming in. Y'all know, but Shamar has played great, so I'm pretty confident in him. Dude looked okay. Wiggle was fine. Toronto Mitchell, no. I'm not. It, it ain't it. Not great, not bad or anything like that, but that is a special teamer, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but we but we knew going into the game that how they like to utilize their tight ends and how they like to you know do certain motions, it was not gonna be a Mitchell game. Like no, 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 no. In secondary again, when you're starting the true sophomore and the true freshman back there and in the back end safety, it struggles. Jason Marshall, good, but I think we overrated him a little bit. Just a first little round bit. pick, cowboy, right? <laughs> <laughs> like we don't we don't got a lot no more guys. It's okay. It's not yeah. terrible player. Not good player. You can start, start anywhere to be determined. To sure. be determined. Second, we gonna find out a lot. Okay. 
the calls need to come in a lot quicker. We need to be a little more creative in what we do. Uh, honestly, I like Scoop. I like Scoop, Shamar, and Wingo. I mean, that's just me. So, Wait, which bitch are we them. talking about? We talking about Miguel? Or? Yeah, which bitch are we talking about? I think Toronto Mitchell. I, I think we're talking about. Um, probably Scooby should start. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now we talking about Miguel Mitchell. Uh, who the hell are we gonna put out there? <laughs> okay, you're sorry. back in the safe zone. A little. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there will be, there will be certain. And I, you know what? I think for, for the next, what? Let me see. We got Charlotte, Nice. Kentucky and Tennessee, three out of those four games, I think Mitchell will look pretty good in. But the the, ten, the Tennessee game is really going to tell a lot. That's going to be the most vertical team that we see. Well, I take that back. Them and Florida State no, are two vertical teams that we see all year. So Tennessee is going to be more of a community team because the way the offense is, they use yeah. every blade of grass and they the the, the route stems are adjusted for what they normally would be. And again, they use the entire width of the field. It makes it harder to cover. So it's one on one on the island, and they're coming in, coming out, all that stuff. And Joe Dillon can throw it through a damn, through a damn card. Oh my God, yes. And, you know, we got to get pressure on him, man, for sure. We can't let him sit back there and get comfortable. Uh, so I'd like to see how we mix it up there. I think our biggest issue um, after the McNeese State game, going into the Tennessee game, did y'all notice how much we did not get set on defense? Too many damn times I noticed that. Same yeah. thing as last year. It's the same old shit. Like I know it's new stuff, but like you can't do the same old stupid ass mistakes over and over and over again. Expect me to come in confident. You just can't. Get the Wind up. Make sure everybody's out where they're supposed to be, and and rock and roll. This shit don't need to be complicated, bro. It don't. You're better off lining up with what you have than changing as much as you do and not be prepared. You had time for school. Get lined up quicker than this. Like everybody, when Utah's lined up, they're ready to go. They're making our checks, this and that. We're looking. At, we're doing this. We're looking at the sideline, bro. We're still making oh. signals. Defense line set. No one's lined up. Can't keep doing this. And it's it's been repetitive. And it was probably 75% of the game. 75%. You are a high-level FBS program, and you can't get lined up correctly for the majority of the football game. And you do this all summer, all fall camp, all spring, and you still don't know where you're supposed to be going? And you still can't get calls in on time? And you're an experienced defensive coordinator who was a coordinator in, at the FBS level before you got here? Like, what the hell – are we doing here? Now, granted, I will say in fairness. In fairness, sure. In fairness. It, it, I mean, it's still a new system. I'm they, tired of hearing it, bro. They're yeah. getting to it. I think that it is, it's true, but that'll improve. I don't give a fuck. Shut up. That, that'll improve. And then there were times Utah ran Temple, and I'm gonna be honest, I didn't even know they were gonna do. It. I didn't even know they were gonna I mean, run. Temple. Any any smart coach is gonna run Temple against us. Any smart coach, which is why I'm scared a little bit of what Hypo can can do as far as the tempo. 
So, I mean, this I agree with. I, mean, I agree too. That's where I was going because if you look at that second half, Marcus, we didn't have that much of a problem lining up in the second half. It was mostly in the first half where the issues were. We still had communication problems. You got lucky with like a touchdown and a couple. Oh other things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You got extremely lucky. Now, this McNeese State game. Yep. No, let's talk about this game. <laughs> Just line the fuck up, and that's all I want to see. Yeah, it's gonna be more about us. Yeah, let's just use this game to get just to get get everything worked out, clean up the stupid mistakes, get all the kinks worked out. Because let's be honest, we really prepping for Tennessee. That that's really what we're doing. Yes. So let's just beat these guys 56 to 3 or 56 to 7, something like that. Call it a day. Get all the freshmen and walk ons in there. Even get a couple fans out the stands. And put, oh put, them up, put them and let them play in the game a little bit. Hey, we, we, we they'll, they'll probably take out an insurance policy on y'all if you get hurt. Uh, so, so let's just do, do, do that. Like, throw Jerry in the game. You got some eligibility left. Hey, facts, bro. Facts. I'm ready. This offense scored 56 points. I'm going to party. You said what? This offense scored 56 points. I'm going to party. Me too. <laughs> she's going to throw a party anyway because the Jags play the next day. So you're oh. not going to tell us anything. Who was that team we played? Was it oh, right. State that we played that one year? And uh, we, I think we we won like 21 to 6 or 21 to 7 or something like that. Uh, with McElwain, everybody was about to die. Uh, I think it was in Mexico. Was it Mexico or I forgot who it was. Let me let me check. It, it was, was horrible. Um, New Mexico State, I think. Scored it was 20. like what twenty eight to like. It was like what twenty eight to six or something like that. I forgot what the score. It was, was. something funky. Oh no! It was UMass. We beat them. We, we oh, beat yeah, UMass yeah. twenty-four to seven. And everybody and everybody was concerned. Yeah. And then we beat Ole Miss the way we did. It was like, wait a minute. Um, never mind. Well, actually, AB that year, that year we beat Kentucky real bad, forty-five-seven. Beat North Texas thirty-two to zero, and then we lost Tennessee. Duck the, pull Trump. Yeah. Wait, that yeah. couldn't have been twenty sixteen. Because the year we played UMass, remember? Oh wait, yeah, it was. Yeah. Because like, I know we played. We played. Oh, that. Uh, I'm, that was the Mexico State. In New Mexico State, twenty fifteen. That's what it was. Because you remember the Trion Bull real Greer saga. Everybody was trying to figure out whatever. But. We all know who the star quarterback was. Yeah, 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 but. Yeah, wow. man, I'm going. I'm going to be there in the next state game, get a little feel good. But I can't. I can't stress enough how important. I said we were going two and one in the uh, Utah, Kentucky, Tennessee, three game. Uh, <laughs> three game no, AB had us going seven and zero. Well, Jerry, if you didn't say a don't word in the first place, you wouldn't have jinxed us. Look, man. Look, man. Two and one. This won't predict no more games. What is it, Jinx? Ab, just look at this team. <laughs> it's like the Jinx. 
I maybe, think maybe Jerry's curse is the problem. Who did that one? Maybe did maybe Jerry was coming through. I don't know. It's Can I do anything against me? State no. Fucking mm. No. I, I I'll say make field goals. Yeah. Um, line up, line up properly. Make field yeah. goals. Yeah, yeah. You better that's on special teams. That's like it's know. you. You should score against these freaking state. If you can't, then literally, what are we doing here? First and foremost. Second of all, just line up correctly, make adjustments. Just look like a functional team, and yeah. maybe I'll lie for a week and say we could beat Tennessee this year. <laughs> I don't know. Give me, just give me something I can work with. Still, Tennessee defense is improved. I, I. Ugh. So did y'all watch Tennessee? I did. I'm a, I'm a, you want to know what my assessment was? Listen, I already know what you're going to say. Tennessee's pretty good. They they are good. They did look good. Jenny's freaking bad, though. They're bad. I mean, Brennan Armstrong literally left for a reason. He knew. He what left for a reason. He knew. He knew. Let's just say that. He knew. I, I, was, I will say. Honestly, that, that, in fairness to Virginia, that team is still reeling as well. Yeah, yeah. There are three players that were killed last year, this weekend, this Saturday, actually, in their home opener. So, um, man, so just continue to keep that program in your prayers, by the way. Because that, I mean, yeah. I mean, and shout out to, what was his name? I think his name is Mike Hollins. Shout out to him coming back and playing at the being one one shot. So, shout out to him for working his way back and, and playing. Yeah, so, man. Wow! Shout out to him. Prayers to him and his family as well. I mean, absolutely. That, that, that remarkable recovery, man. Because I know that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they were. Bad. I think, I think we will have a chance against Tennessee. I think we'll be motivated. I think there will be a chance. Actually, having a real chance of two different things. I, I think there will be a chance. Night game um, swamp. <laughs> We did, we got we got to steal somebody. Why not Tennessee? But my main thing is Napier's most important game this year, in my opinion, is Kentucky. You got to go to Kentucky that, and win. That's that sounds kind of nasty. We put it like that. I'm not gonna lie. Everybody's saying that too. You you gotta beat Kentucky. There's I I just believe that that is the most important game of. His career thus far, this Kentucky game coming up after Charlotte. Go there and win and be disciplined. Just be beat disciplined. your fucking rivals. Like you're owing what against them right now so far? Get it one time, please. Kentucky, Florida State. Kentucky's not a rival. Stop, Jerry. Are you disrespecting Kentucky? Stop it. No, you're not a rival. We've to me, anybody, who be, anybody, anybody, anybody who beats us more than twice in a three-year span or four-year span is a rival to me. The team that you beat thirty-one straight times at, at one point is not a rival. AB, any, any kid, AB, any kid born in 28, uh, 2018, if he's a Gator fan, he sees Kentucky as a rival. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. If he's five years oh, old, no, why, Jerry? Because he's seven years old. Educate him and say, hey, this is not a rival. Tennessee, Georgia, Florida State, and we'll throw in LSU. Those are your rivals. Oh, LSU. I'll say, I'll, I will say though, five year olds say the darkest things, and, and the, what the five year olds going to say in response? 
I know Kentucky keep beating us though. Not right or anything like that. I don't think that way, but they keep kicking the fuck out of us. So you gotta beat them at some point. You gotta beat them. We'll beat them. Sure. I'm standing ten toes down on that. We'll beat them. They ten toes down on a lot of things you had to beat wrong, like fifty eight. Hey, you said ten toes down at seven and zero, and now we sitting here at zero and one. So I'm one of the one that says seven and zero. Yeah, because I try to talk myself into it. After, like, if you beat 10 <laughs> Stop it. No, difference is I try talking myself into it because if we just get past Utah and Tennessee, it's a clear path. You will wholeheartedly fucking believe it. It will never deviate no matter what your eyes tell you. Yeah, don't, nah, don't cover him now, motherfucker. Nah. <laughs> no matter what your eyes tell you, no matter what conventional wisdom is, no matter what the very obvious signs that we see from April to now, and even after week one, week two, week three, four, you just will never deviate. I'll deviate. Six yeah, and one, right? They'll say six and one. Hey, I got to now. We got to end. Look, bro, look. It's a long season. We gotta take it one game at a time. We gotta we gotta pray that we beat Tennessee. And then we gotta go take care of business on the road after Charlotte beat Kentucky. I I will say this. I got a comment on it. First of all, I'm gonna fix this. There we go. I I disagree with the first part of this comment for one reason. Utah's defense is significantly better. No shit. But I will say I agree with the rest of it. You do have to use your athletes against them and not run what we were running. I do agree with the rest of it. I will say Kentucky might have better athletes but not be as disciplined as a defense. Do they? They might. On defense? You you know, you know, every year Kentucky got somebody, you'd be like, Who is this? You know what? Dominic is right still there. So don't you guess that for Jerry. Like, I already got to get on cam, cam from um, get the cam. Oh, Jackson, Jackson cam. Smith. Hey, Jackson. hey, 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 whoa, 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 there, Tiger. I got to get on the cam, and I know he's probably watching this. I got to get on him because he did the same thing. He did the same thing that you did. I need y'all to twice. I'm gonna need y'all to stop doing that for y'all get canceled. Y'all gonna get everybody canceled. Now we ain't nobody gonna find the merchandise because you didn't say something out of line. But in anywho, man, anywho, this is gonna be a long. This is gonna be a long season. Whether whether good or bad, we still gonna be stressed out every game. So long season ahead. Well, no copium will be here. Nah, I'm we we letting it all out, bro. As we've been doing for the last two years, this is officially season three of the Swamp and Top Athletic. So here we are, bro. Here we are. Season three, same thing, same pain, same thing. <laughs> We eventually got to improve. Why not this year? It ain't happening this year. 
Can we break the six win mark finally on this show? Please. Yes. Please. We can. And we can. I talk myself into not looking all that crazy right now. <laughs> you want to like <laughs> Yeah, we, we I th- I think we we definitely we will be better. I think we will be better. I don't think we'll be one for thirteen on third downs anymore. Yeah, that happens again. Yeah, I don't I look, think we're gonna screw up a lot like that. Anymore. And, and I look at it like this: the overreactions to Week One are at an all-time high right now. Florida State in the national championship. <laughs> Florida's gonna finish. Yeah, I think Florida State's gonna say that much. You said what? I think Florida State will contend. I think I know that much. I think Florida State will contend for sure. I mean, I, they're a good team, bro. They are. Whether you want to admit it or not, yes, they are. Unfortunately, yeah. their they they outside threats are nice. I will say this. Let's be honest. Let let, let me ask y'all a question. <laughs> Did the media overhype LSU just a tad? I knew you were gonna do that. No, because the reason why I asked is because I looked at the fact that their secondary was basically new. The, and I also looked at the fact that you still got to replace Keishon Boutte, regardless yeah. of what shenanigans went on in it in, in, during certain times. Yeah. you still That's still a lot of production you got to replace. Yeah, you get Mason Taylor back. But other than Noah Kane, who was playing run, who was playing running back? Like we didn't know what was who who was playing running back. You replaced, I think, a starter along the offensive line. Yeah, the line had some new starters. They used Harold Perkins completely wrong. That was terrible. That that was that was. I will say that was terrible. And I don't know if y'all saw what I put in the group text, but did you see where their starting secondary came from? Oh yeah. They sure as hell look like it too. Well, well look, man. Yeah. All I'm saying is they may have been all right a little a touch, but somebody here picked them with their entire chest to be at Florida State comfortably. Well, because I didn't think that they were gonna quit. I didn't think that they were gonna quit. Yeah, but now all of a sudden they lost the game and like, are they overrated? <laughs> like they don't do that. They're pushing the narrative. No, it's a legit question though, because I'm not I, I'm asking it. I'm not, the one maybe, if you know. I'm not the only one asking this Look, question. They they brought they brought back possibly the best linebacker in the country, brought back a talented quarterback, you know, in Jaden Daniels. They got neighbors back. So it's like and uh what's the guy name? Uh Mason Smith. He was out, he didn't play. Taylor. Well, Taylor, no, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. he didn't play. That was another that's, Mason. That's how they didn't play. I forgot 18's name. Them boys are monster. Hold on real quick. I got something to say about this Mason Smith thing. The NCAA, y'all can go to hell. Oh, my God. Because come on, man. Stupid. We in the NIL circuit right now, man. Like, come on. Like, what are we doing here? Who's not taking "quote unquote" extra benefits? Let's just be real. Well, come on. Well, we Who's know LSU. We know LSU is due for a suspension or something every year coming to the season, even mid-year. I mean, this is how they've been lately. He got hurt early in the game, tore his ACL, and then this year he's suspended for the game. Yeah, that was terrible, bro. 
But no, I don't think they overrated LSU much. I just think Florida State came. I think Florida State was a more disciplined team. They fought to the end, and that's why the score was the way it was. I mean, but I will say, me personally, I had LSU in the top ten. I didn't have them to number five in the country. I didn't have them that high. I, maybe like I mean, a lot of that had to do with the run they had at the end, at the end, at the end of last season. Like, they weren't that good to begin the season last year either. They weren't. But then they came into Gainesville. They came to Gainesville and then flipped the switch. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, like what? Like, I'm just saying. Well, then, yeah, Florida State was pretty good. If Florida State played last year, too, and outplayed them for the vast majority of that football game until, like, the end, and they still walked away with it. And they yeah. were legitimate. They brought back a lot of guys. Now, a lot of transfer guys, but still, they have some continuity, and they are legitimately talented. And they could not – and LSU could not block them whatsoever. They, they, they couldn't. They yeah. absolutely couldn't. Florida, Florida State's a ta- – like, they are a super talented team this year, man. So, I think we got to, you know, credit where it's due. I think Florida State's probably a top-four team right now. Sadly, top-four. I think they Clemson at this moment. Yeah, they probably – yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll see in a few weeks when they play in Death Valley. They could have a clear path. That's all I'll say. They could have a clear path. Be Clemson and they should be okay. But again, who the hell knows? This is the offense line, which isn't very good to be honest, could play better in that game. Who knows? Wait, whose offensive line isn't very good? Clemson's. When have they ever had a good offensive line? Case in point. And they still won a couple of national championships. Who was the quarterback? What? They had two generational quarterbacks back there and better skill players than anybody else, so it worked out. Hey, this, like I said, Rob, they side. did talk passes, but you best believe when we go down to Baton Rouge, they're going to be looking like Odell and Jarvis Landry. I don't, also, I don't think that changes the game when you get beat 40 to 17, when you, get, you always get like 50 yards in the, in the fourth quarter. Kind of does, Marcus, when you look at what happened and realize, hmm, maybe they should have been up 28 to 7 at one point. Well, no one told me to get sacked at the goal line. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't give up, you gave up 5200 plus yards in that four plus touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone. A couple drop touchdowns in the early part of the game ain't changing that. It ain't. They 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 did what they came to do, man. They they really punished him. I think one time there was like a point where it was LSU had been in FSU territory like 17 times compared to Florida State being in theirs like two times. It was crazy. I was like, what? And the scoreboard did not show it. Board. Yeah, you so. heard on those points? Guess what? It's a whole different ball game. Is it though? Yes. That's going to make them tackle in the fourth quarter? I told you they quit in the fourth quarter. That's their fault. Tough shit. Score. Yeah, you can't quit, bro. But uh, let, let's all go ahead and get a score prediction. I, I'm going to say 52 to 7. 31 10 is not going to look very pretty. 34. 34 to 6. 31 3, actually. 34 6. It'll be, a, it'll be kind of a fake 31, to be honest with you, because this offense just is structurally not great. But they'll just have time. too much time. We eat up a lot of time. You guys have PTSD, don't you? No, I just look. I know what I'm looking at. It's not PTSD. 
we're not going to just be out there just throwing a ball around like that, I don't think, unless Billy is really trying to, like, you know. That's better. They're not better athletes, and they're, it's fucking Florida. You shouldn't lose to Mini State, and that defense is awful, even at their level. Oh, I want to ask y'all. I know we lost, but we did this thing last year where we brought up Swampers of the Week on offense and defense. Yeah. I, I'll just say I have some. I will say seriously, seriously, my Swamper of the Week on defense. Offensive. Let's be honest. It's not. Offense. I'm not going to say no about offense. That was <laughs> Respect the career high in passing yards? Maybe. No. Maybe, 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 maybe Caleb Douglas for making the most of the opportunity he had. No one on offense deserves Swamper of the Week. He scored 11 fucking points. Defense, Shamar James, easy. Oh, Shamar James, yeah, Shamar James. Shamar James, final defense. Like, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to give the whole the fake 30, 30, 30 passing yards. Up. Like we threw screens the entire time. Was it fake? Yes. Sure about that? Yes. That back shoulder throw was nice though to Burt. It was nice. The back oh. shoulder and the touchdown was cool. Everything else. Yeah, we're not going to sit here and act like he didn't make a few throws downfield and they weren't nice. If by a few, you mean two. Other than that, we threw screens and we had no time. And it's not personal to Graham. Just call it better plays, Billy, please. Yeah, it's really what it is. They're doubting you again. What did you say? Graham, they're doubting you again. I'm no, not. No, we're not doubting you. We're watching the fucking game. That's what we're doing. Yeah. He we tried got- his best, bro. He's he tried his best. I just fucking did. How about that? Marcus is very upset, bro. We had a horrible game. He's now you know you have PTSD. No, it's P- no, it's not PTSD. It's Marcus. He said five to two. This is PTSD. Oh my god! The baseball team is not playing, Rob. It's not PTSD when the things that you didn't want to happen again are still happening. We're gonna score more than five points. This is not the CLSU Mud Dogs from the Water Boy. We're not going to win games five to three. Now, hey, they won the bourbon ball that year. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you said I'm about to put up my final prediction on my Twitter page here. Uh, I'm going to go for there. Yeah, this is going to be fun to watch. <laughs> oh my god, what I just saw. 34. I gotta put this in the group chat. McNeese. McNeese six. <laughs> and if McNeese scores over 10 points, I'm gonna be a little upset. <laughs> Y'all should look at this what I just said in the group chat. <laughs> Anyway, let's get the help out of here. Oh man! Yeah, Why y'all do my dog like that? Come on, man. Free Campbell. But um, yeah, Rob. Um, and when we're up fourteen to three or fourteen to nothing, you remember what I said? Twenty-one. <laughs> <sighs> 
I think I got the song we don't Do we even deserve do we even deserve a song? No. <laughs> here's this here's the song. Here's the song. You know what? This is the song we need. Billy Napier, if you don't get an offensive coordinator. My ear drums hurt now. As they should. That's messed up, man. Well, since we allegedly don't deserve a song this week, allegedly. I guess next week. Let's let's end the podcast in pain. Hey, pain and silence. We'll be in pain. A moment of silence for the offer to production. What's talking about, bro? What's talking about, man? What what is playing right now? What what are we doing here, Gerald? Gerald, what are we doing? <laughs> I'm gonna find. It. I'm gonna find. It. I got some loops in here, man. Yeah, we can tell. I'm gonna find them too. Hey, man, find them, bro. Yep, I just did. That's all I need to see. Season three. Okay. Well, no, we're going to go ahead and end it with this. Leave you as we. This has been another great episode. Painful, but great episode. Of the swamp inside Ford Athletics. We don't even need to end the outro. Let's just get up out of here. Before we before we leave, y'all, let everybody know where they can follow y'all. Uh you can follow me on Twitter. I'm not gonna tell you where to follow me until we win a ball game. I will be following that direction and McNeese State does not count. McNeese State does count. Tim, thank you, no. brother. I would, I would love to get on whenever you guys are on again. If y'all run like a, a you know, sometime episode in the week, talk about what we saw. You know, what, a group therapy session. Group therapy. You know, I, I really would love to hear where Tim and Juice's minds are on all this. I know, I know Juice is probably just sick, but uh, yeah, that's that's Juice called out of work, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even blame him if he did. Yeah, I almost did. I had to go to work with my because I had my I had my Florida Gator flag and my t- uh, sticker on, bro. I went back to work, shame, bro. I had all my stuff. Up. I was like, ah. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. Oh my gosh. But I'll be I'll be there. I'll be the swamp this Saturday. So Wednesday live call. Okay, Wednesday live calling. Okay. Um, Thank you, Rob. Much blessings to you, bro. Definitely. Um, you can follow me at, well, 
deal with it. Let's just go ahead and told you. There, there you go. There you there go. You, you fall there. We're going to leave as we always do. The Gators, God bless y'all. Stay safe. Prayers to everybody affected by the hurricane, of course. Wash hands. Wash face. Marcus. I'm not doing this this week. I'm sorry. Hire OC. That's it. That's the theme. Hire OC and washing that ass play calling, Billy. <laughs> And people washing nasty ass since Marcus won't play. That too. And what shoes in the what socks in the movie game? Yes. I and went shoes. to the I went to the movies yesterday and watched the Equalizer Three, and I'm happy to report everybody wore shoes with socks on. Thank That's you. They're listening to the message. It's it's getting across. Progress. Our voices are heard. Let's go. Thank now, you. With that, Y'all have a great night. God bless y'all. We'll see y'all next week.